0: Welcome to MonkCast, a podcast from the Benedictine Monks of St. Benedict's Abbey in Atchison, Kansas. Today we're joined by Sister Irene Knoll, a sister of Mount St. Scholastica Monastery in Atchison, Kansas. And uh, Sister Irene has been selected by the monks to receive the Lumen Vitae Medal at the Abbot's Table on April 18th, 2020. So Sister, I want to thank you for joining us today. I'm
1: glad to be here.
0: Awesome. So. Uh, w- I mean, let's just start off with, you know, how did you come to the Mount to begin with? Why, what made you want to be a sister?
1: Well, I came to the Mount really following my aunt, who was uh, Sister Virginia Minton, was a sister here. And so um, I, I always admired her, and I really followed her. And then, of course, once I got here, I decided, most days I decided when I was in formation that this is where I belonged. And I've been here for 62 years, and it is where I belong.
0: Very good. So uh, did you have any, like, challenges and stuff when you first started, you know, oh. the process <laughs> of becoming a sister? What was that like? Of
1: course. Well, the first challenge, or at least one of the major ones, um, we kept silence much more in those days. And part of that was that there were 600 of us. And so if you don't keep silence, it's a pretty noisy place. Um, Silence has never been my strong heart, and um, it wasn't then, so I was in trouble most of the time for talking in places where I wasn't supposed to be, in areas where I wasn't supposed to be talking about, um, too much chatter.
0: Very good. So you uh, earned a degree in music, so have you always had an interest in music? Or? That
1: was my first love, and that's what I always intended to be, was a musician. I really had no idea of all the other things I ended up being part of, but I was—I had wonderful teachers in grade school, and uh, they led me into music, and I started playing the cello in grade school, and so I just thought I would be a musician all my life.
0: And so you obviously are a scripture scholar, and that's the principal reason that the monks are uh, honoring you is for your work as an educator at, uh, you know, Benedictine College and the other places that you've worked, as mm-hmm. well as working on the St. John's Bible. So what spun you into the uh, scripture scholar region? Of
1: well, the, the shift really, what spun me into the shift was obedience. Um, I taught after I got my music degree, I taught for two years, and then... Um, I got sent to Catholic U to get a degree in German because we needed somebody to study German, and we needed a German teacher at the college. So I went off and got a degree in German and uh, came back, and then a new prioress said to me, is there anything, you know, we'd like to send you back to school. Is there anything you'd like to study? And I said, you know, the one thing I really would like to learn more about that I don't know anything about is Scripture. And so she said, well, where do you want to go? This is a different parish. Before that, I'd been just sent. And I said, well, I don't know. Well, in the end, I said, well, Sister Mary Elizabeth went to St. John's. I think I'll go to St. John's. So I did, and that was absolutely the right choice, and I fell in love with Scripture and went on and did the Ph.D., and, have been teaching it ever since.
0: So, what year did you start teaching? Uh, back when you c- completed your degree with
1: grade school? Uh, no, uh, no. Sure. When I started teaching, and when I te- started teaching in grade school?
0: Sure. mean, yeah. No, I I didn't know you taught in grade school. What <laughs> yep, was that? I taught the third
1: and fourth grade. Sister Esther, who is our prioress, I had her in chorus when she was in high school. So I started teaching in 1963 in. Uh, Grade school, and then I got sent to get uh, the German degree, and then time passed, and new priors said, "You know, what do you want to study?" And that's when I went on and went into gotcha. scripture, and I went to Saint John's first, which was perfect for the master's degree, and then after that, I went to Catholic U
0: to get your PhD for my PhD. Right. So, uh, when did you start teaching college students, sir?
1: Well, I started teaching college students, hmm, now the date, I'm not, I started teaching college students when I was teaching German, so that is, I think, 1963,
0: perhaps. So were you teaching here in (laughs) Atchison, or were you teaching out uh, where you were I was teaching here. Oh, gotcha. Well,
1: yeah, I taught, I did teach two years out at, uh, out by Seneca, out at Wildcat.
0: Well, as we were talking about before we got started, you were talking about working in a whole host of different areas. So, you know, what what was it like kind of getting your toes dipped into just different areas around the monastery
1: and the college and stuff? Well, actually, it was very good for me. A lot of it was obedience, but um, the German degree, which I really was not interested in getting, but I did, and I, I loved German, um, when I finally got to Scripture, which is my life, um, they told me that the German degree was the best possible preparation I could have had because most of the studies that were done on scripture at that time were in German, and I could read it with no problem. So, you know, it's kind of like God works in strange ways and he gets you into something and you don't know where you're going with it.
0: Well, as you're studying scripture, uh, mm-hmm. working towards that PhD, and as you say, if you went from knowing, you know, very little, but, you know, the scripture is sort of the basis for mm-hmm. our entire faith. So mm-hmm. what would you say was maybe maybe the first big eye-opening moment that you had as you're studying, especially, you know, the Old Testament, which is, you know, obviously rife with lots of metaphor and prophecy and stuff like that?
1: Well, um, I think the the aha moment was... When um, one of my teachers was leading us through, um, I think, Deuteronomy, but I can't remember for sure what it was we were looking at, but I realized that what I knew about doing the study of short stories and novels and that sort of thing that I had learned in German, that that was the perfect preparation for what I was doing in Scripture, because I knew how to do literature. So um, the kind of circuitous route ended up being, it, it couldn't have been planned better.
0: What was it, as you're studying scripture and you're starting to dive into that, And but what was it that really made you kind of fall in love with the subject and made you want to just basically invest all of your life and all of your person into this one
1: yeah. Albeit very large, broad subject, very large thing. Well, it it really was the whole um, understanding of story. I think it was right. I you know timing is everything. I I ended up doing the biblical degree right at the point where the the premier spiritual uh, scripture scholars had begun to say, "This is literature, and we need to treat it like literature and I landed just at the right moment, and so what I knew already about how to analyze the story, about what to do with plot, what to do with characters, how to look for the the trajectory, and all of that, um, I already had those, and so it was i I played. <laughs> It was it was just really fun.
0: So a few years ago, you wrote a book about the Psalms specifically, mm-hmm. and as a monastic, you know, you largely your life revolves around right. you know this one subset of right. you know super ancient right. prayers. And so, um, could you talk about that book and about you know your thoughts on the Psalms? I guess.
1: Well, um, I after I had finished my PhD and so on. Um, Again, it was, it was Michael Marks who said, you know, now, now you need to write a book. And I thought, what in the heck am I gonna write a book about? And he said, oh, write something on the Psalms. There's always something to write about the Psalms. And so I went back and I discovered that nobody, as of yet, had done anything with the responsorial Psalms for the Sunday liturgy. So you had lots of Psalms books but nothing that connected it to the liturgy. And so that's um that ended up being Sing a New Song, which was uh my first major book. And really um I think is is one of the best things I could have gotten into. I love the psalms anyway, and of course, being a Benedictine, I love the liturgy, and so it's like, oh yeah, you know, this is home.
0: <laughs> so talk about that a little bit if you uh, don't mind. So um, like as Catholics, you know, we might just go and, you know, we pray yeah. through the response oral psalm just because it's what's it's in there. front of us. Yeah. And so so how does that kind of, you know, mold together? Why, are this, why is each psalm selected for a specific, you know, time or whatever?
1: Well, some of that I think is serendipity, but, um, you know, because some of them are clearly fit for whatever feast or whatever is going on. But, but then there are a lot of them that somebody just kind of reached and pulled it out and said, this one will go there. Um, but the, the thing about the Psalms, I think, that is so important is um, they are amazingly adaptable. They fit. We're here. We are in what the 21st century.
0: Yeah, though, currently. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know how we got there, but anyway, and and I don't know how many mornings we come and there's that that psalm, that responsorial psalm, and it's like, how does this fit today? So, it says something to me about divine inspiration. It also says something to me about all those poets who wrote those psalms you know and that we have kept them for millennia and probably will as long as we can keep them so
0: right yeah that they're in, incredibly malleable we can they apply are. them to uh, uh, every little situation yeah. in our life yeah. you know
1: that. and there's there's almost always a little zinger somewhere in you think i think they snuck that in yesterday but <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: Feels like something. Sometimes the things are written just for you, even though they are absolutely they do. not yeah. written. <laughs> for, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, there was no idea that we were going to be sitting here three thousand years ago mm-hmm. or, or whenever. So you were later on blessed to work on the Saint John's Bible. So tell I us was, a little bit about that. I was. I was,
1: and and I happened to be at Saint John's the year that 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 began, that the whole idea of the Saint John's Bible kind of came to fruition. I suppose I
0: should back up maybe um, just in case. So why don't you first explain what the St. John's Bible is in case someone doesn't know.
1: Well, the St. John's Bible, I should have looked at more stuff. But anyway, the St. John's Bible is really um, an attempt to use all the different um, arts and put them together. So, So you've got seven volumes and you in in those seven volumes you have beautiful art that goes with the Psalms the whatever or the the whatever scripture is because it in the end it's they've done the whole scripture and um so there's there's the art and then there um was the whole idea, part of what we had to do was decide, okay, what translation are we going to use? And then we had to have the, the calligraphers and the artists and all of those people meet together with us to see what needed to happen in all those areas. And And one of us who was in the text would say, you know, well, it could be this, and then somebody else who was an artist would say, oh, wait a minute, you have to do, you know, you have to pay attention to that. So it was, it was a kind of, it was a lot of fun, and it was a free for all when we had our meetings. But it was, it was a kind of work together with all the arts that we could bring together. Um, It was amazing.
0: And how long did that process take? It
1: took, I bet it took probably seven or eight years to somewhere. The Bible's a big book. Up to ten, <laughs> yeah. The Bible's a big book. And and we started with, um, I'm pretty sure this is right, we started with Mark because the Gospels, A, you know, people know what those are, and Mark is short. And so but then gradually we we worked on everything we could and we tried to bring in um, images that were contemporary and also beautiful. And we had one of the things that in the Psalms they did a so this is this is contemporary they did a study of you know how you can do those sound, patterns. I don't know how you do that, so but when you wavelength, but yeah, yeah, the wavelength things. And so in in the book of Psalms, the there the St. John's monks are singing the Psalms and that that musical line is going all the way across every page. Oh wow. So, and if you didn't know that, you know, you wouldn't care. But so there was there was that and then we tried to bring in like the my, one of my favorite stories is about the multiplication of the loaves. It was supposed to be a quarter page. Well, it, if you look at the book, it's two pages. And Donald Jackson, who was the premier artist, said, I'm, I'm sorry, it just kept multiplying. <laughs> <laughs> but there are breadcrumbs all over the text. So um, it, was, it was one of the most enriching things I've ever done because there were There were scripture scholars old testament and new testament there were artists there were um, musicians all these people together and there were only probably 10 of us mostly um meeting together and and trying to really sort this out and say okay what's the best thing we can do and then donald jackson is a genius you know he did marvelous things with it
0: outstanding so Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, obviously one of the most important facets of your life is being a member of a community, monastic community. It is. So, um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about like, you know, the, obviously things have changed radically, you know, over the last several years, but like, what is, uh, what is life like for you here in the Mount right
1: now? Now, or do you want me to get us up to there? Sure. No,
0: you can start from the beginning if you want. Okay.
1: Well, my... As I said, I think my aunt was in the community, and right. I always want to be just like her so um, I entered when I a week after my seventeenth birthday, and I was barely old enough to walk and talk but um, so and those those first years were were difficult, but partly because we kept silence all the time, and that's not my strong suit but um I, I loved the community, and, and I knew I was in the right place. And I think—I'm an only child, and I think my parents knew I was in the right place, too, because the week I entered, they moved to California. <laughs> so Where did you that. grow up originally? Well, I grew up in Dubuque, Iowa, and Kansas City, Okay, mostly. I lived a few other places, but my family is—or gyro-vagues. Um, so— now, where was I? What was I?
0: Uh, your parents had just moved to California. My and parents just moved to California, and monastery. I moved here.
1: <laughs> and so then I still thought I would be a musician forever. And and this the community had me major in voice, so I was going to be a musician. Well, then we needed a German teacher. And so Sister Gonzaga got a hold of me, and I went off and got a degree in German. And then I thought that was it. But I went up to St. John's just for um a retreat and some uh, meetings and so on and kind of gradually fell in love with the place and in the meantime I had had fallen in love with scripture and so I went to St John's for a masters degree and then came home and worked and then then went to Catholic U and did the PhD in Old Testament um and I think they had just started the Old Testament program at Catholic U for up to a Ph.D. And I think I'm the first grad in Scripture, in Old Testament. Oh, very From good. Catholic U. um So um, that, I mean, that turned into be my life. So sure. then I taught for umpteen years and led. I, I used to have, I had big classes. So I used to have that big classroom up at Benedictine. And it was, it was always full, and I'd have two sessions of classes with the Old Testament with them. And How many years
0: did you teach at the college?
1: I don't know, but it's on that paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time. I yeah. taught at – that was my major – that's the major place I taught. And then summers I'd go up to St. John's and teach
0: very good. So, so as, as, again, like, uh, like I said, uh, your community life here, um, what's that uh, been like, would you say? My community Just to talk life. about, who, uh, for, for those listening that are far-flung, what, how would you, uh, you know, summarize Mount St. Scholastica, if you can?
1: It's the best Benedictine house in the world. No, <laughs> <laughs> it, the, the Mount has been a, a true home for me. Um, and actually, it was kind of an anchor for my parents because they wandered around, but they they always came back here. Um, but the the community both challenged me and enriched me from the beginning. And there were you know there were times that were difficult when I got sent to get the German degree. These were the days when you were on your knees before the Prioress. And she said, I'm going to send you to get a degree in German. And I said, Mother, I don't want a degree in German. She said, that's not the right answer. The right answer is thank you, Mother. And I said, thank you, Mother, and went off and got a degree in German. <laughs> so, And I can I, I really cannot have had a happier life. I mean, this has been the best place for me. And it's been, well, I mean, it's been my home for 62 years and mostly— Except for the few years going to school, and then the two years I taught at, a, at close to Seneca, I've been home. So, um, and then back and forth to Catholic U.
0: So, uh, one thing I usually ask every uh, priest or religious or that I sit across from is, you know, what would you tell someone if they were thinking about, you know, that life?
1: Monastic life? Yeah.
0: It's hard, but it's great. What's hard about it?
1: Um... What's hard What's hard about it is living with a whole lot of other people who are always there. And that's also what's great about it. Um, as I said, I'm an only child, and there was practically nowhere to go where you weren't with at least 15 other people. Um, so that was one of the major challenges for me. Now that's a different thing with, you know, people who grew up with four or five siblings is a sure. different situation. but. So, so that was hard, and um, I think, again, separating from family no matter whether you separate from them and they live across the street or whether they live in California, um, that's difficult, but in my case, it forced me in many ways to bond with the community, so, which was a gift, a great gift. Um, and I couldn't have had a happier place.
0: Very good. So you're being honored on, uh, April 18th, 2020 with the Lumen Vitae medal, mm-hmm. which uh, of course mm-hmm. means the light of life. So you're being recognized for your contributions to the church and, uh... You know sort of exuding mm-hmm. that said light of life so what was your reaction when uh, Abbot james invited you to you know come to the abbot's table you've been to the abbot's table before yeah right? but to,
1: <laughs> to, but to be honored well you know i i have to tell you the story i it was i some weekday morning and i was sitting in my choir stall waiting for mass to start and Abbott James was the presider, and he came over and sat down beside me, and he was all excited, and he said, We're honoring you at the Abbott's table. <laughs> but he, I was his major professor, as I said, and um, and I've always kind of watched his rise, <laughs> and he's a wonderful person. And so I was, I was really grateful to be asked, but I was also grateful that he asked me. So... Um, and I'm happy to be able to talk about. Well, I don't know what I'm going to talk about exactly. When you know that, that's it's a little ways a away. little ways away. But I'm happy to be able to say something that is going to, I hope, um, reflect how grateful I am for my community and also for the Abbey. The Abbey has been very good to us, and they've been especially good to me for a lot of things. I've taught almost all their young folks um, when they were in formation. I've got uh, Angelus now is taking Hebrew from me. And so um, I've, I've kind of got a bond with all of those young folks. And, um, I mean, we couldn't have better brothers.
0: So just a little bit of clarification, I guess, that uh, Sister teaches regularly the monks that are in formation every single year. So there's what else do you teach other than
1: Hebrew? Oh, um, Old Testament. Just whatever. You know, I teach whatever the, whatever the abbey needs. Pentateuch or prophets or Psalms or Psalms. It comes up most often, and rightly so, because, sure. you know, we're going to pray them the rest of our lives. Yeah. Um, Wisdom literature, so I've I've gone through. I'm I'm kind of making a valiant attempt to retire, but with limited <laughs> success. Um, but I've gone through that cycle generally with those four topics: um, Pentateuch, prophets, Psalms, and wisdom literature.
0: Awesome. So um, let me. So as a practice of lexio divina mm-hmm. is something that you do regularly. Mm-hmm. So how has your PhD kind of uh, fed into that
1: particular practice? Um. Actually, it's my practice that fed into me my PhD. I think, um, <laughs> because I think I have always approached scripture kind of as a lexio divina, uh, and and I taught it that way too. You know, in terms of. Okay, you know, what what does this text say, but then what does it mean, and why do we care? Um, And, you know, sometimes there's a little work getting to that third one. But I've I've always kind of gone from—and it's a monastic approach. I've gone from that monastic approach with all the stuff I've taught, so—
0: very good. Well, I think that probably wraps us up for okay. now anyway. I take care of you. Uh, there's yeah. more. We, could, we could go on forever and ever yeah. and ever. But if you don't mind, uh, if I can ask you to close us in prayer. If you
1: could. Okay. Loving God, we thank you for all your good gifts. We thank you for the talents you have given us. We thank you for the people who Im- have... Effect on our lives and who have been good to us, and we ask that you bless our communities and bless us and our families. Amen. Amen.
0: Once again, this has been Monkcast, a podcast from the Benedictine monks of St. Benedict's Abbey in Atchison, Kansas. And don't forget to join us uh, April eighteenth, twenty twenty, at the Overland Park Convention Center for the Abbots' Table, Episode Eight, where uh, the monks will prevent. Present, not prevent. Present the Lumen Vitae medal to Sister Irene as well as uh, Dr. Scott Hahn and his wife Kimberly Hahn. So we're excited to honor those folks and then celebrate the monastic life. So don't forget to join us, and as always, visit our website, KansasMonks.org.